This episode may contain themes that are unsettling for some listeners and includes dialogue that is inappropriate for children under 14. Listener discretion is strongly advised. I'm Brooke. And I'm Alyssa. And this is... For God's sake. Don't drink the Jones juice. Welcome back to episode 51. 51. Is that right? I don't know. (laughs) I meant to look before we started. I I think it is, but maybe we should do a little double checky. It is 51. 51. Hello. Welcome to 51. And we're sorry this episode is like two weeks late. Yeah. Two weeks late and then... Like 12 hours late because. Well, no, it won't be. We always release on Tuesdays. Yeah, but. Oh, yeah, midnight. Yeah, so we are a little behind. Sorry about that. There's been a lot going on. Yes, there has been. So. Also, it is like 10 o'clock in the morning right now. Yep. And I was just telling Alyssa, we have never recorded in the morning. So this should be interesting. Yeah, I wonder how it's going to go because I'm definitely more of a morning person. Oh, my God. No, not me. (laughs) I've been up like three hours, though. And. I'm tired. It's nappy time. I usually, um, so whenever my alarm clock goes off to take Titus to school, I usually always get up. But today I let it snooze and um, we didn't get up till like 7.15 and we have to leave at 7.30 or 7.40. Yeah. So I had to rush to get Titus ready. Oh, that's rushing for you? Yeah. Because we have to leave the house at like 7.50 to get Ansley to school by 8.15, and I get up at, like, 7.47. Well, <laughs> well, but Ansley can get up and get herself yeah. ready. But Titus can't. And, you know, got to feed him breakfast. And I know Ansley probably doesn't eat breakfast, but yeah, Titus doesn't eat anything at school. So I have to make sure that he at least has something on his stomach before he goes. And oh, I know. He doesn't understand the meaning of haste. So yeah, you know, he usually just eats something in the car yeah. while he finishes eating it in the car yeah i don't know but yeah we had to rush and um he was good getting out of the car today so that's awesome yeah smooth sailing (laughs) yep um also i'm sure you guys noticed but our intro song this week was not our typical song um the song is actually um, from my brother's EP he just released um, called the Heart and Soul EP, and that song was called Baby Blue. So you guys should go on Spotify or um, I think really anywhere you can listen to music and listen to it. He is so awesome. His voice is just that of an angel. I know I've said that before. <laughs> it's incredible. He's very talented. I think this, um, you know, I've grown up with my brother making music you know my entire life pretty much i thought you were just about to say i've grown up with my brother and uh (laughs) i'm like oh yeah (laughs) well some people don't but um i grew up with him making music you know my entire life and i think that this ep is seriously some of his best work and i'm extremely proud of him and i'm excited to see where he's gonna go from this yeah go thomas go thomas 
Um, and actually, my stories today were um, some that he suggested I cover. Nice. And um, I'm doing something a little bit different. Before we get into that, do you have anything you want to say? Or? Mm, not really. I mean, I guess I, I could talk about my trips oh, and well, stuff. Oh, go ahead. I mean, well, <laughs> so uh, we just got home from Colorado. Alyssa and uh, Titus were sick. So that's why we're a couple weeks late recording. But um, just saying, if you guys ever get an opportunity to go to Colorado, 10 out of 10 would recommend. It is just a fucking dream um we spent the first night in denver and then we went to aspen for two nights then we went to estes park for two nights and i am i just like there's no words like that is like my dream like destination to live one day really it, it is just it's everything you could possibly think Colorado is you right. know just in Aspen we got a ton of snow mm-hmm. and it was just beautiful and just the wildlife like you're just driving down the road and an elk's like <laughs> in a park I mean it's just incredible you know yeah your pictures um, looked so beautiful yeah it, it was it was really really great um also I'll throw this out there since we're doing some advertising um I have started a new venture um I always, I'm always getting into things to just keep myself occupied, keep myself busy, and I'm always coming up with new hobbies. So the latest, and I think I'm pretty serious about this one. We'll see how long it lasts, but uh, <laughs> I've even created an inter- uh, internet page, an Instagram page for it. But um, I have started doing like making oddities, I guess you would say, um, taxidermy with uh, both animals and insects. So if you guys are into weird shit, which you probably are because you're listening to this podcast, um, I would love for you guys to check out some of my work. Uh, Follow me on Instagram. My new page is Quirky Gypsy. So that's the name of the business. It's Q-U-I-R-K-Y Gypsy, G Y. P-S-Y. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had to think about that. This is all very new, but I'm having a blast with it. I've made some really cool, pretty stuff. So You have indeed. If you guys want to go look at it and follow me, I would be very, very appreciative. But uh, yeah. Yeah, it all looks super professional. I'm proud of you. I, it's fun. I love, you know, I, I feel like I was, I've never been the type that was meant to like sit in an office. I've always been the type to use my artistic and creative skills you know Mm -hmm. and that's something I kind of tell Ansley too because she hates school so much I was the same way yeah like academically or just like (laughs) but when it comes to using you know creativity and just thinking outside the box she's so much like me yeah you know and I I think I actually ordered a t-shirt recently that said uh school kills the artist yeah I think that's so true I think it is too there's more to life than just school school and we need to teach kids you can you can be successful doing other ventures other Mm -hmm. than sitting in an office all day or sitting on the phone you know what I mean like there's so much more out there guys so um I think Ansley's gonna be a lot like me I do too so I think I always didn't like school Mm -hmm. like I like to learn but I never liked school Mm -hmm. um but I feel like as an adult becoming a mother yeah. Especially a mother to um, like a child with special needs. It has really just sucked all the creativity out of me. I don't yeah. remember who I was talking about this with. I think maybe Abby. We were talking about how, you know, back in high school, mm-hmm. I used to doodle on 
everything. Mm-hmm. All my schoolwork had little octopuses on it and like ships and flowers yeah. and, and I it just, just came natural I'm yeah sure. exactly and now I have to think and really think about whatever I'm gonna draw and it usually doesn't turn out like I want it to because I just feel but you're an awesome artist you are I've seen your stuff and thank you're you. super not only artistic you know as far as like drawing painting that kind of thing but like you're musically artistic too you have an incredible voice you know how to play instruments like what the fuck well not <laughs> not really I yes mean, she does I can okay well first of all I do not have an incredible voice she just does ask your mom a kar- karaoke she does. two um I can barely play the guitar barely i can but, play like enough chords to make yeah them sound I, that okay is together. just a foreign language to me though like <laughs> it just would not click so you have that natural ability like if you wanted to you could probably fucking kill it oh you i know? really do want to but well, then do it dude <laughs> do you know how hard it is <laughs> i know <laughs> i've never attempted it i so my brother basically taught himself how to play the guitar That's amazing. and the piano and he's basically just a fucking prodigy but Everything I know is what my brother has taught me. Mm-hmm. And Scotty, Scotty can play the guitar. Yeah. He can literally learn any song he wants to and play. But it's so awesome to me. I just, yeah, I, I've never tried, but I feel like it just wouldn't click. I just, um, I can't teach myself. I have to have somebody teach me. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes if my brother's over, you know, he'll show me a thing or two. Like literally just about everything I know on the guitar is what he's taught me. Mm-hmm. Um, there is like a couple of things that I did learn myself, but that was when I was like 19. Yeah. And I still remember them to this day, but. I just, I think that's such an amazing talent. I wish I was musically inclined. Oh, me too. Me Dude, too. but you are. Well, I'm not though. I just. I mean, the few things I know I've learned since I was 19 and I'm 25. It's like, no. that's not saying much But I feel like all. if you, like, wanted to sit down and learn, like, you could. If you Thomas know? sat down with me or uh, somebody who can actually play the guitar sat down with me, yeah, I could probably learn. But I think anybody could I don't know. if they had instructions on what to do. And Well, basically what we're saying, kids, is <laughs> learn a trade. Seriously. Learn a trade. Follow your creativity and don't let it die. Absolutely. Or uh, you know what? If you're meant to sit in an office and crunch numbers all day, That's good for fine. you. That's my dad. That's not me. My dad's a controller <laughs> That's of a company. amazing. I could never. No. <laughs> no. My no. dad would talk to me about it sometimes. Like he'll come home and just kind of tell me about his day and he's telling me all this stuff and I'm like. I just, I feel like there's so many kids out there struggling because they're like, oh my God, what am I going to do with my life? Mm -hmm. You know, this shit sucks. Yeah, it does. That's what I'm saying. Like a lot of you guys that struggle in school, it's because you're not using your brain in the place it's meant to be. You know what I mean? So there's more to life, guys. There's more to life. I promise you. And uh, when your teachers tell you, you're not going to have a calculator in your pocket when you grow up. You are. You already have one in your pocket. It's your fucking phone, dude. Yeah. Like. You'll be fine. And I mean, <laughs> if you don't have a phone, just, I mean, you can literally carry around a calculator. So. I don't know why we're like talking to kids, <laughs> like our audience is like fifth like graders. already have jobs <laughs> aspirations. But anyway, if the, for the few of you who are still trying to figure it out, I'm still trying to figure it out. Brooke's got it made, but I'm still trying to figure it out alongside with you. And I mean, Brooke's still doing stuff too. She's still oh, yeah. expanding outside of piercing, but mm-hmm. um, one day it'll come to you. And hopefully one day it'll, I'm just I'm about to start school for cosmetology, which, which I'm so excited for. I 
am nervous about the school part. Yeah. Because uh, it's been forever. Like, I graduated high school seven years ago. Of course. And <clears throat> even in cosmetology, there is that, like, mathematical stuff you have to learn. Like, that's where I would just, like, flunk out. Like, yeah. just give me somebody's head and let me, like, play with it. Like, that's all I need. Like, I don't need this math crap. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you have to take a mandatory math class and a mandatory language or literature, whatever. Uh-huh. And then you have to take, like, a student success class. I mean, it makes sense, but... No, it doesn't. Well, because, I mean, for formulas and that kind of thing, for, you know, hair. But they like, teach you that in cosmetology. Yeah. And, and, and and it's really just fractions. Like, you know, two parts to one part, that kind of thing. Right. You don't need to know algebra and calculus and all that other bullshit. It's, Do you have to know that? For cosmetology? Yeah. No, but okay. you have to learn it still oh, all the same. Oh, no. That's what I'm saying. It's See, I just feel like, you know... Cosmetology is a two-year program and, you know, a semester of it, I'm literally going to be taking stuff that's so irrelevant to cosmetology and I just... That's frustrating. It it really bugs me because I suck at math and, well, I mean, I don't suck at it. Once I kind of get going with it, I'm okay at it, but it's like, I'm not going to use it. I don't need it. Never again. They just need to, you know, like the cosmetology program is only about cosmetology. I won't mm-hmm. even really be in the program till I finish the math and the language and the student success and whatever the other one is. But I can't even sign up for my math class because it's been so long since I took my ACT mm-hmm. that I'm going to have to like take another test to see if I can even get into the regular math class. And if I can't, I'm going to have to take a remedial math, which is probably what's going to (laughs) happen. And then it's just going to like extend it even further. It's just so ridiculous. Well, you're going to kill it. (laughs) Thank you. You are in a good way. Thank you. I hope I do because I... Not like butcher it, like like slay it. Slay it. Yeah. I mean, I guess that could be put in a bad way too. No, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> I know. I know. I just, it just really sucks because this will be my third attempt at cosmetology school. Well, and, at least you know what you're getting into. Yeah, this time I'll know. But um, I wish I would have finished when I started. Because now you have to start all over again. Right. And I'm 25. I could be really well into my career right now. Hey, life happens. But then again, also probably not because I had a kid and who knows. But regardless, that's what I'm doing starting January. So, so stoked for you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. We're ready to get into it. Let's do it. Okay. So I am doing specifically two musicians who allegedly sold their souls to the devil for their musical talent i'm totally interested about who you're about to say this is because there's been several there's a lot like um some these are not modern day people these are um Mm -hmm. like ones from the 1700s oh yeah and the other person is from um like he was born in 1911 so okay but some modern day people are miley cyrus yeah uh, Katy Perry, mm-hmm. Lady Gaga, Beyonce, Beyonce, yeah, Rihanna. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, there's the ones from like the 70s and 80s and stuff too. Oh yeah, yeah. um, Led the uh-huh. Jimmy Page from uh, Led Zeppelin and Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, if you're gifted musically, people think you sold your soul to the devil, which <laughs> right. is honestly Thomas. <laughs> I was actually going to say, um, my brother did not do that. And that's, <laughs> it just kind of happened to work out that I'm covering that while I'm advertising my brother's music. But, 
You know, what's funny, too, Alyssa just, you know, kind of mentioned what she was covering. Like I said, I don't know who it is, but the story I'm covering also involves music. Interesting. Twilight Zone. Yeah. I was about to do the... But I forgot how it went, so I just said Twilight Zone. <laughs> Dead. All right. Um. Okay. Uh. What was I gonna say? Something about. Um. Oh, I was gonna say honestly, like it's like people like your musical talent being so good that people think that you sold your soul to the devil. It's such a compliment, but it's also such a like not compliment yeah like they couldn't possibly be that talented on their own without having the devil be involved but then it's like mm-hmm. oh she sold her soul to the devil so you know she's this super magnificent like supernaturally talented person mm-hmm. so it goes both ways right so anyways um so for the first person that i'm covering is a violinist named um niccolo paganini okay have you ever heard of him? No. I had never had either. Um, so for my sources, I used classicfm.com and houstonsymphony.org. Okay. I had a burp, sorry. Mm. So, um, sorry, I had to fix my headphones. Okay. God, get so, it together. I know. <laughs> so Niccolo Paganini was born on October 27th, 1782 in um, Genoa, Italy. I don't know how to pronounce that. Sounds right. He was incredibly gifted, um, a incredibly gifted musician and was considered one of the greatest violinists of all time. A contemporary uh, poster advertises one of Paganini's concerts as audacious in his experiments on the capacity of his instrument, yet refined to the extreme of subtlety, scientific, yet wild to the verge of extravagance. His tall, gaunt figure, his long, fleshless fingers, his wild, eager, and wan visage. Wait, fleshless fingers? He does have flesh on his fingers. Okay. It's just imagery. <laughs> fleshless. <laughs> a fucking zombie. Okay, Paganini. Is that P-A-G-O-N-I-N-I? P-A-G-A-N-I-N-I. I feel like I've seen this before. You could have. Yeah, okay. Anyways, it continues with uh, his thin gray locks falling over his shoulders and his singular smile, sometimes bitter and convulsive. Always He's a strange. fucking zombie. <laughs> no wonder. Okay, sorry. I'm doing too much this morning. I have a picture of him I'm going to send you. He's an interesting looking fella. Okay. Um, always strange, made up an aspect which approached nearly to the spectral. So... Obviously, he just seems very otherworldly. Yeah. So when Paganini was only five years old, like Titus's age, mm-hmm. he started playing the um, the mandolin. But he picked up the violin at the age of seven, and he gave his first public performance when he was only eleven years old. That's amazing. And then he began his um, solo tours when he turned fifteen. Wow. So clearly. This dude is uh, skilled. Yeah, I'm trying to send you a picture of... Oh, I deleted it, but I have it saved to my files. I gotta see this guy. (laughs) Um, So, during the 19th century, talented violinists weren't hard to come by. They Hmm. just were abundant, apparently. Wow. But Paganini was unparalleled. 
He was so far superior to his peers that it was rumored that he had sold his soul to the devil to achieve his musical genius. Hmm. Paganini claimed that his musical talent came from a guardian angel. Okay. So, who knows? It was also rumored that his mother had sold his soul to the devil so that he would become the greatest virtuoso in history. Hmm. When Paganini was 13, he was sent to study with Alessandro Rolla, who was a famous violinist and teacher. Alessandro quickly, <coughs> sorry, Alessandro quickly recognized Paganini's talent, and there was nothing he could teach him, so he sent him to his teacher, who was Fernando uh, Payer who then would send him to his teacher, um, Gasparo Giretti. So these masters are like, hey, I can't teach you because you already know everything I know. Go to the person who teaches me. And that person was like, yeah, you're far superior than me, so go to my superior. And then his superior is like, you're just, that's all you can do, buddy. That's incredible. So, um, clearly, Paganini was a prodigy. Mm-hmm. The solo tours, though, unfortunately, um, caused him to break down and resort to treating him with alcohol. Mm-hmm. The fame of everything caused him to become an alcoholic, a gambler, and a womanizer. And mm-hmm. if you look at a picture of this dude, Not you just handsome. wonder how. Unless, like, that's a magical violin and it is bringing <laughs> all the babes in. Sometimes all it takes is fame, though. Let's be honest. Uh, that's true. That's true. I'm actually... Okay, I'm going to send you a picture of him because... I was literally about to Google it. I just need you to see because this dude is like... I don't get it. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm looking right now. Look at that nose. That's what I'm saying. And the chin. Wow. It's... um. <laughs> A very distinct man. Yeah. <laughs> like Holy if you saw cow. him in the street, you'd be like, that's Paganini right there. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Wow. So um there was even a rumor that Paganini murdered a woman and used her intestines as the strings to his violin and then imprisoned her soul in his violin. Ooh. People literally swore up and down that when Paganini played at shows, you could hear a woman screaming from what his violin. What the hell? I gotta hear him now. I'm totally gonna YouTube it. Um, I listened to... Um, uh, so there's a movie about Paganini, mm-hmm. and it's played by a guy who I guess is equally as talented as Paganini. And I was listening to some of the music, and I mean, it's it's really pretty. Wow. If I mean... If you like classical music like that, which I do like it, but um, I can't listen to it all the time. Right. So Paganini was the first solo violinist that ditched sheet music and instead memorized everything. Wow. Is that cool or what? That is really cool. He was known particularly for his, and I don't know what any of this means, but I'm just going to tell you because it's what he's famous for. For his 24 caprices for solo violin and helped to popularize (laughs) string techniques such as bow bounces and um, 
left hand pizzicato and harmonics. So if that means anything to you. Sounds legit. (laughs) He would also purposefully um, mistune certain strings to make pieces easier to play. Okay. Paganini could play 12 notes per second. Wow. That's a lot. Wow. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Um, And this was later achieved by David Garrett, who played Paganini in The Devil's Violinist, which is a 2013 film based on Paganini's life. Okay. I would like to see it, honestly. Paganini was a very tall and thin man with hollow cheekbones, pale skin, and thin lips. Mm -hmm. And a giant nose. Yeah. He often dressed in all black. His fingers were also very long and thin. Nowadays, it's believed that Paganini's long fingers were due to Marfan syndrome. His finger length allowed him to play three octaves in one hand space. His ability to play at an incredible speed is contributed to the belief that he had Ehlers-Donlos syndrome, which which is a disorder that causes increased flexibility and a lack of coordination, which... Hmm. To me, it doesn't sound right, because I feel like you have to have a lot of coordination to play the violin. Right, right. But the flexibility part. Yeah. That's legit. So, you know how I just said that he memorized everything and did new sheet music? That's the devil. (laughs) (laughs) So he would uh, be on stage playing and just be, like, flailing around on the stage (laughs) playing. Dude, okay, we're talking, like, 1700s, too. People totally thought he was, like... Like, possessed or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's a witch. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, and him doing this earned him the nickname Rubber Man. Mm. Not, you know, witch. <laughs> Rubber Man. Man. Well, if it was a woman, she would have been a witch. I was going to say, if it was a woman, be a, they'd be singing a different tune. So people regarded Paganini as the devil's instrument, while some regarded him as the devil himself. Ooh. The first rumor relating to this came from a concert in Vienna when someone claimed that they had seen the devil helping Paganini play. Jeez. Imagine just playing the violin and then some dude in the crowd's like, I I see that devil. devil. (laughs) (laughs) People then began claiming that they saw doppelgangers of Paganini with horns and hooves. Ooh. Someone even claimed that they saw the devil strike Paganini's bow with lightning during a performance. Good God. <laughs> man i wonder what he thought about all this yeah like what what could he possibly think like i would be kind of offended i think right right imagine being up there just doing your thing giving it your all and they're like the devil like you wrote this song because your grandmother died and you're you're a little sad and you're just really getting into it you're feeling the emotions and they're like i just saw the devil strike lightning on his bow oh god it's so funny so in 1822 paganini con- contracted syphilis and was treated with mercury mercury that womanizer yeah that's what happens which we know that um mercury is a big no-no so very toxic this obviously caused more health issues um and in 19 or okay i messed up somehow i put in 1983 but he did not (laughs) he was the devil (laughs) 200 years isn't a stretch uh i'm gonna just not say there was a date there because i probably 1793 right no i don't know well he was 
I don't know. That's obviously a very messed up date um, in all sense of the word. Um, so at some point he was diagnosed with tuberculosis, but recovered shortly afterwards. And later in the year, he became weaker and weaker and decided to retire from public performance at the age of 54. Mm -hmm. He spent his last two years of life teaching the violin. Wow. And in May of May 27th, 1840, Paganini died of larynx cancer in France, which is like, wow. This dude could not catch a break. Yeah. Before he died, he rejected a, priest, a priest's advances and offering him his last rites, which is the final prayer that Catholics receive at the end of their lives. Hmm, so people were like, he really did sell his soul. Mm -hmm. But Paganini was like, nah, bro, I just don't think I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah. And that's really what he said, not verbatim. <laughs> <laughs> nah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> nah, bro. But, uh, yeah, he was just like, I, I am not going to die, so I don't need my rights given to me. But uh, mm -hmm. he did die a week later. So, mm -hmm. um, And he, he died a week later without receiving his last rites. So the church refused to bury his body on consecrated ground, even though there was he was a member of the Order of the Golden Spur, whatever that means. Do you know? Nope. Okay, sounds fancy, though. Sounds something like very religious. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Um, so for the next four years, Paganini's embalmed corpse was transported through a tour of Europe, oh. and then it laid on a deathbed in France for two months before being transferred to the cellar of a house where he laid for a year. Mm. The local church refused to bury his body, so it was taken to an abandoned leper house, and then Jeez. was moved to a cement vat in an olive oil factory. And then later to a private house in France. Nobody wanted this dude. Yeah. Finally, Pope Gregory allowed his body to be transported to Italy, where he was laid to rest in La Valletta Cemetery in Parma, Italy. Wow. So, mm. did he sell his soul to the devil? I don't think he did. No, I don't think he did either. God, I can't have talent without people just being so negative. I know. I know. Ugh. So the second guy, um, you may have heard of this guy. A lot of you probably have. But his name is Robert Johnson. He was a blues singer. Hmm. I don't know. So um, Robert Johnson is another person that is rumored to have sold their soul to the devil for unparalleled musical skill. He was a blues guitarist, singer, and songwriter that received very little commercial success or public recognition during his life. He only had two recording sessions that produced 29 distinct songs, which were recorded by Country Music Hall of Fame producer Don Law. Mm -hmm. Most of his music was released from 1937 to 1938, but a few were released after his death in August six, on August 16, 1938. I don't think I know this guy. His life was very poorly documented outside of the small circuit of musical circles that he was in. Most of his quote-unquote known life has been reconstructed by researchers. Okay. This led to many rumors and legends, but mostly associating him with selling his soul to the devil at a crossroads in Mississippi. Hmm. So there's actually a scene in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? where they, being Everett, Pete, and Delmar meet or they pick up Robert Johnson. Okay. 
and um, they, they pick him up at a crossroads in Mississippi. And when he gets in the car, they ask him what he was doing there since they hadn't seen, you know, a house for miles. And Robert replies that he had to be at that crossroads by midnight because he sold his soul to the devil. And Everett asks him um, what he sold his soul to the devil for. And Robert says, well, he told me to play this here guitar real good. And then they ask him what the devil looks like. And he said that the devil is white with empty eyes and a big hollow voice. (laughs) Oh, okay. So. Not what I would expect the devil to look like, but. Yeah. What do we know? So, um. The thing, though, is, like, I just said that he did not have um, <clears throat> a lot of um, recognition in his lifetime. And to me, this is something the devil would do if you sold your soul to him. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> You'd create all this music and have no success until you die. Right. And then your music blows up. Right. So, um, Johnson's music had a small but influential following while he was alive And for 20 years after his death, later in 1938, John Hammond went looking for him for a concert at Carnage Hall from Spirituals to Swing, but found that he had died earlier that year. Hmm. So here's somebody coming up to him, trying to get him to do something. Mm -hmm. And then in 1941, musicologist Alan Lomax went to the Mississippi, went to the Mississippi, (laughs) (laughs) went to Mississippi looking for Johnson to record, but also hadn't realized that he had died. Nobody knew he was dead. No. Lomax worked for Columbia Records, and he gathered a collection of Johnson's recordings and titled it King of Delta Blue Singers and released it in 1961. People credit this to what finally brought Johnson's work to a wider audience. Eric Clapton called Johnson the most important blues singer that ever lived, and he's dead. Do you That's know his just, music? Mm-mm. No. No, I don't really know any blues. Hmm. But uh, it's just as crazy to me because that, to me, like Paganini, whatever, he was super famous, whatever. But I just feel like if you did sell your soul to the devil, like truly, mm-hmm. this is the kind of bullshit he would do to you. Right, right. Like, yeah, I'm going to make you famous, but you're not going to be alive to see it. You're going to be in hell because I stole your soul. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, um. This guy named Henry Goodman actually had a quote unquote vision of Robert Johnson selling his soul to the devil. And there's a transcript and I'm going to read it because I'd like to hear the story of him selling his soul to the devil. I'd like to hear it too. Okay, guys. So um, I started reading this and then I felt as being a white person, maybe I shouldn't read it, Um, but I'll post it. Um, so that you can read it. It's not like racist or anything like that, but there's just some words in there I feel like I shouldn't say because I'm white. Um, so, I don't know. I, I'll post it. But um, Robert Johnson is a, a black man. Th- and this is why I feel weird kind of reading it. I didn't really read it mm-hmm. before. I probably should have because this was the 30s or whatever, but mm-hmm. um, I didn't really didn't really click that you know things were different back there back then so um Mm -hmm. but i'll post it so you guys can read it but i just don't feel comfortable really saying it okay and anyways um so before i uh before i um me and burko take a break i do have one last thing to share and it is um 
So in blues music, um, you know what? I'll just let my brother explain it because he recorded something for me to play Oh, uh, because it just kind of, it's just a cool little fact about blues music and medieval times and whatnot. So cool. I'm going to play that. So a tritone uh, used to be thought of as an evil interval of music. Um, in the Middle Ages, you weren't allowed to play them. The thought process was that you would summon the devil by playing it. Uh, but what's so ironic about that is, you know, fitting into the theme of um, blues musicians selling their soul to the devil, um, the tritone is an interval part of blues music, particularly in the seventh chord, uh, which is a very fundamental chord voicing in blues music. And uh, a tritone kind of sounds like, uh, kind of like this, in fear of, you know, summoning the devil, but uh, like that. <clears throat> and um, a seventh chord um, uses that interval for the uh, third and the flat seventh, which just means that like uh, two really important notes in that in that chord are a tritone and. Um, Uh, you might be thinking like, you know, like what is, you know, what is a special, well, like, so like a, reg a regular, you know, major chord sounds like that. Um, and when you add that seventh, it becomes, you know, a tritone between that and the third. And, um, now you've got this kind of ugly, like stinky chord. Yeah, stinky. But that, um, and you might be thinking like, how do you even begin to use that in a song? But um, in the right context, you know, it sounds like. Thomas have such a beautiful speaking voice as well. Uh, I'm just him. like, it's just like so like, oh, you could just listen to him talk yeah. forever. Yeah, I yeah. think my brother's just very charismatic. Like, yeah. there's not a single person who meets my brother and is like, I don't like that guy. Right. You just instantly like him. So I think it's mm -hmm. it's also just who he is as a person too. But yeah. I don't know. But yeah, so Great speaking tones. voice. He said he'd listen to this episode, so sweet hey thomas so um want a shot <laughs> it still rose up in his lap but anyways so um as he was saying the uh the tritone is something that you know people literally thought would summon the devil and um i'll just leave you with the fact that um it was literally um banned from um churches in their songs because wow. of that so that's crazy me and him were joking about it last night i was um he was sending me that recording and we were texting about it and uh i was like you know people back then really just ran with everything like mm -hmm. they hear this chord and they're like that's ugly it's got a stink to it uh. and stink the devil probably stinks <laughs> it's gonna summon the devil <laughs> So it's just crazy how medieval people were. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
anyways um i hope you guys enjoyed that i know it's something a little different i figured i'd do something a little bit more spooky and devil related because halloween is fastly approaching i can dig it yeah all right we'll take a quick break and we'll be back Hello and welcome back. Welcome back. Um, so today, I feel like every time I start my story with, so today. So today. I'm going to be covering the Farmville murders. Is Farmville that game you play on Facebook? Um, I don't play it, but yeah. It is? Okay. Because when I first heard about this, I thought it had something to do with that, but it <laughs> does not. Okay. I used to play it. When I was like 11. Yeah. So I guess maybe that particular game was based off of this story. I don't know. Or maybe it was just a game that dealt with a farm. There's no murder in Farmville. Well, right. Right. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, my sources include Ranker.com, TalkMurderWithMe.com. I love that one. I use that one a lot. Um, NicoleKinney.Medium.com and Murderpedia.com. Oh, you use Murderpedia. I did. Uh, to start this story, I am going to go over what horrorcore rap is. And now that I've said that, you may know the story. Horrorcore? Horrorcore. Horrorcore. That mm-hmm. sounds familiar. So um, I was telling Alyssa, I, I just told her the title of what I was covering today. And I did not realize until a few minutes before that Morbid did an episode on this particular story. And I also learned that Alyssa has listened to every Morbid episode in existence. So I'm sure as soon as I start discussing this case, she will recognize it. That's not true. I'm not subscribed to their Patreon, so oh, well. I don't know any of their well bonus episodes but i said i'm never going to cover another story that morbid has covered ever well good luck with that and also (laughs) um i'm sure a lot of the people listening have also listened to every morbid episode ever so well maybe you guys haven't heard of this one we'll see but you probably (laughs) have so anyway um i hope i can do it justice uh i have not heard this morbid episode so they're really good at what they do yeah they are so here we go um, anyway, horror, horror. See, this is going to be a tough episode for me because I suck at saying that word. Horror. Horror core rap. Now, this particular genre of rap music is an essential part to this story. So here is a direct definition from Wikipedia. Horror core is based on horror themed and often darkly transgressive lyrical content and imagery. Horrorcore defines a style of hip-hop music that focuses primarily on dark, violent, gothic, transgressive, macabre, and or horror-influenced topics that can include death, psychosis, psychological horror, mental illness, Satanism, self-harm, cannibalism, mutilation, suicide, murder, torture, drug abuse, and often supernatural or occult themes. You know, you know what I was about to say? What? Who could listen to that every day as I listen to cr- true crime? <laughs> Who <laughs> so could listen to that literally every day? everything that you just named yeah, off is it? <laughs> you're sitting there thinking in your head, why would anybody listen to that? <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, it's kind of funny. It's so funny how oftentimes Alyssa and my story kind of sort of line up in a certain kind of way. So anyway, like I said, it, you know, a lot of times has to do with Satanism or, you know, supernatural, occult, you know, that kind of thing. So Horror Core has incited controversy with some members of the law enforcement community asserting that the genre incites crime. This is still from Wikipedia. Fans and artists have been blamed for numerous high-profile instances of violent criminal activity, including the Columbine High School Massacre, the Red Red Lake High School Massacre, the Farmville Murders, and murders of law enforcement officers and gang activity. Hmm. So now into the story. It was September of 2008 when 15-year-old Emma Niederbrock, who went by the online alias of Ragdoll, met 19-year-old amateur horrorcore rapper Richard Samuel McCroskey on MySpace. Richard went by the stage name Psycho Sam. I do know this story. I figured as much. The two bonded quickly over their musical interests and started chatting regularly online and on the phone. Now, a little bit about the pair. Richard McCroskey, also also known as Sam, was born on December 23rd, 1988, and he grew up in Hayward, California, before moving to uh, Castro Valley with his father and his sister. His father, who was a rock guitarist, had introduced him to ICP, Metallica, and Primus early on. Sam was a shy and insecure kid. He was bullied growing up for his weight and his red hair. Because of the bullying, he eventually dropped out of high school. Poor Psycho Sam. Poor Psycho Sam. Not really. (laughs) According to his sister Sarah, Sam was a mild-mannered and kind person who never fought back or defended himself unless he was provoked. Sam was also known to have two personas. In person, he was the pushover and a social outcast who had very few friends and was shy and spent all of his time at home. Whereas on MySpace, he portrayed himself as the confident, Satan-worshipping, aspiring horrorcore rapper by the name of Psycho Sam. Have you listened to any of his rap? I have not, but I do have some of the lyrics. I'm sure it sucks. Oh, for sure it does. I just kind of want to hear it. Yeah, I know. We'll have to listen to it. (laughs) Psycho Sam's music references... Um, It references evil voices in his head advising him to murder continuously and take lives on a killing spree. Oh, okay. A YouTube video shows him bragging about defiling military graves. That's sad. Stand up guy. MySpace was Sam's escape from reality in a sense. MySpace proved the perfect place to communicate with other horrorcore fans and rappers and live out his fantasy life. So basically you have this shy, introverted, strange little guy that <laughs> on the internet is really cool, right? I, you know what? Uh, do you ever remember being on like MySpace or Facebook or whatever and there was always that one person who never got offline. Oh they my god, yeah. Always, they always had the green dot next to their name. Yes. This is probably what this dude did. Like, oh, just absolutely. Never got off until like he had to. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. So, um MySpace also served as a platform for advertising his core uh, horror core, 
you know, music. And uh, it was also really good to broadcast the upcoming music festivals that he liked to go to. Now, Emma Niederbrock was born October 15th, 1992 to Mark Niederbrock and Deborah Kelly in Champaign, Illinois. She was the couple's only child. The family moved from Illinois to Farmville, Central Virginia, when Emma was a child. Mark served as a pastor at Walker's Presbyterian Church in Hicksburg, Virginia. I'm (laughs) tongue-tied. Deborah worked as a professor in sociology and criminal justice at Longwood University in Farmville. Emma had been homeschooled since middle school. She was known to be a well-rounded girl. Aside from participating in the horrorcore community on MySpace, she also dabbed in the occult, and she played soccer, and she was also a big fan of the Backstreet Boys. (laughs) Very uh, mixed. uh, Versatile. Yeah, very (laughs) versatile. At the beginning of 2009, Mark and Deborah divorced. Emma stayed in the family home with Deborah, and Mark moved out. Luckily for Emma, her parents remained friends and co-parented very well together. As you can imagine, Mark, being a pastor, and Deborah, a criminology and sociology professor, they didn't exactly love the idea of Emma's odd taste in music. That's crazy. Yeah. But when it came down to it, they never forbid their only daughter from listening to the music or even being involved in the horrorcore scene. By September 2009, Emma, who was now 16, and Sam, who was 20, had been communicating online for about a year. They talked daily, and Sam had it bad for Emma. Emma didn't consider Sam her boyfriend, but it was very clear that Sam thought they were in a relationship. Emma did send the occasional flirty or affectionate message to the 20-year-old, but she definitely didn't take things as seriously as Sam. Right. So, a horrorcore festival is coming up. Strictly for the Wicked was scheduled for September 12th, 2009 in Southgate, Michigan. Emma and her best friend, 18-year-old Melanie Wells, had made plans to go. Emma and Melanie, who lived in Emma and Melanie, who lived in Inwood, West Virginia, which was about three and a half hours from Farmville, had been to many of these festivals together before. Emma and Sam spoke about the Strictly for the Wicked Festival and decided it would be the perfect opportunity for them to finally meet in person. Emma asked her parents if Sam could come stay with them during the week of the concert. Of course, her parents were, you know, apprehensive about their teenage daughter meeting up with this 20-year-old guy that she Mm -hmm. only knew from the internet. Very odd. But they did reluctantly agree. Emma usually got her way, being that she was the only child. You right. Know, they and were then kinda, her parents divorced. And... Yeah. You know, so she was the only child. You know, it's pretty typical. On September 6th, Sam left California for Emma's home in Virginia. She posted to Sam's MySpace wall on September 7th. Next time you check your MySpace, capital letters, you'll be at my house. She added, I love you so, so much, baby, forever and for always. Yikes. <laughs> Sam arrived at Emma's home in Farmville on September 7th. Emma's best friend, Melanie, arrived at Emma's later that day. Unfortunately, this is where it gets rough. When Emma first lit, laid eyes on Sam the day he arrived at her house, she was not impressed. She was not attracted to him. She didn't find him good looking. 
he looked completely different in person than what he had shown on his MySpace photos. I'm sure. She thought he looked young, not 20. He seemed very immature and just kind of annoying. He was short. He wore an oversized black hooded sweatshirt and baggy black cargo pants. And his greasy red hair was combed straight down his forehead. (laughs) She was not feeling it. Yeah. Not a cute guy. That's so sad. Now she's stuck with him all weekend. Yeah. For like a week, dude. That sucks. Oh, a week. Yeah, Yeah. Dang. And apparently her disappointment was pretty evident. Um, Now, while she wasn't mean to Sam, she was just kind of aloof. Mm -hmm. Her and Melanie just kind of like, kind of, you know, tried to get away from him type thing. But he's now at her home. So, like, she can only go so far. Right. Which, honestly, is kind of a messed up thing to do. Like, you invited this kid to your house. Yeah. Be nice. But I think she thought she was going to, like, fall in love with him. You know what I mean? And then she sees him and, you know, starts getting to know him. And she's like, "Uh, you're not who I thought you were. Yeah. I would have been like, mom. Take you him make home. Him go home. <laughs> so Sam had high hopes that once they got to the festival and they were in their element, that Emma might see him in a different light. This is where he would be able to prove himself. But this was wishful thinking on his part. In fact, the situation only got worse once they got to the music festival. Emma hardly paid Sam any attention throughout the event. Not only was she not interested in him, she was reportedly flirtatious with other guys in person and by text. Sam noticed and he was devastated. His devastation started turning into anger as Emma continued ignoring him and showing other guys more attention. The next day was September 13th, 2009, and Sam, Emma, and Melanie returned to Emma's house from the concert and continued getting to know one another. Emma and Melanie posted on their MySpace pages for the last time, and Melanie told her parents she would be coming home on September 16th. On September 16th, Melanie never returned home. So clearly growing concerned, Melanie's mother Kathleen started calling Deborah and Emma's home. No one picked up for a while, but finally she got an answer from an unfamiliar voice on the home line. It was Sam. Yeah. Sam told Kathleen that Melanie wasn't there and that she'd gone to the movies with Emma. Something about this conversation made Kathleen uncomfortable and she decided to call Emma's dad, Mark. Although Mark and Emma's mom were divorced by this time, with Mark living in another city, he tried contacting his ex-wife and daughter to no avail. Growing concerned, the next day, September 17th, around 5 p.m., Mark went to the home. He had told Kathleen that he would call her as soon as he reached them. Kathleen never heard back from Mark after he arrived to the home, and things were getting extremely unsettling. Kathleen was many hours away, and so feeling hopeless, she calls the police in Farmville. God, I would be so scared. Yeah, imagine you're like three and a half hours away from your child. Sure, she's 18, but still, you haven't heard from her in days. Yeah. Like, that's that's concerning. Very So Kathleen explains to the police that, you know, her daughter's here with her friend. She hasn't heard from her in several days. Things seem really odd. She can't get in touch with anybody, yada, Mm -hmm. yada, yada. And she asks them if they'll do a welfare check at the house. So the police agree. 
When they arrive at the home of Deborah and Emma, they were greeted by none other than Sam McCroskey. Psycho Sam. Psycho Sam. When they asked him where Emma, Melanie, and Deborah were, he told them that the women were at the movie were at the movies. Sam told them that he was Emma's boyfriend, and the police didn't think anything else of it. They didn't investigate. Instead, they just kind of took his word for it, and they went along their way. Melanie was 18 at the time, so I guess in all actuality, like I said, you know, there wasn't a whole lot they could do. She's an right. adult. She wasn't a minor. They couldn't, like, yeah. forcefully take her back or anything. So, and two, Sam was extremely calm, well-spoken, and, uh, and he, he really... he like a goober, so... Yeah. Oh. Like, he really gave them no reason to be suspicious. Right. They're just like, well, you know, sorry, lady. You know, she's 18. There's really not much we can do. You know, this guy said they're at the movies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're kind of on your own. Now, the morning of September 18th, the frustrated Kathleen called the police yet again. She still hadn't heard a word from her daughter. Things just weren't adding up. When the police arrived for the second time at the home at 3.20 p.m., they found the door to the home unlocked. Sam was nowhere to be found. But something hit them like a ton of bricks when they opened the door. And that was the pungent, unmistakable stench of death. The smell was what gave the police probable cause to enter the home. Now, a neighbor later stated that she and a friend were taking a walk through the neighborhood the previous day. Now, let me also add that this is the same day the police came to the home the first time Mm -hmm. and that her and her friend had noticed just atrocious smell. And they just kind of assumed like it was a dead animal somewhere in the woods. Right. When police went into the home, they first found three bludgeoned and bloody female bodies downstairs in Emma's bedroom. Another body was found in an upstairs bedroom. None of the bodies had defensive wounds, and the scene was horrific. As it turns out, the night of September 14th, or the early morning of September 15th, Sam got drunk and high and took a wood splitting maul, which is essentially an axe, right. from the Kelly backyard and bludgeoned 18 year old Melanie, 26 year old, I'm sorry, 16 year old Emma, I put 26, and 53 year old Deborah to death as they lie sleeping. Wow. <clears throat> His reasoning? He was pissed at Emma's lack of affection and her interest in other guys. That's so gross. Sickening. It's so gross. Like, get the fuck over it. Ugh. And Sam- also, she's 15. What the fuck? 16. Oh, 16? Yeah, ew. Still. Child. Mm-hmm. Sam stayed with the decaying corpses until September 17th when Mark entered the home, and he snuck up behind him and butchered him with the same oh, axe. God. Poor guy. Had no idea what he was walking in on. No idea. On the night of September 17th, after killing Mark, Sam stole money from Mark's wallet as well as his 2000 Honda. Sam crashed Mark's car into a ditch and police were called by neighbors because they had no inclination and, oh, I'm sorry, but because they had no inclination that they were looking for a murderer at the time, all they did was give Sam a ticket for driving without a license. He told the police that he was driving his girlfriend's dad's car. this guy's just getting away with it all a tow truck was called to remove the car from the ditch and the tow truck driver elton napier 
offered to give Sam a ride, which he accepted. Yikes. (laughs) He asked to be taken to a gas station. Describing Sam, Napier told the media that he had never experienced such a terrible smell in all of his life and that he had to hold his head out of the window to stop himself from puking. Oh, my gosh. Napier said he stunk like the devil. Ugh. Gross. Probably from yeah. hanging around in a stinky house. Oh, I'll tell you. So Sam then got a taxi from the gas station to the Richmond International Airport to get a flight back home to California. Sam's taxi cab driver was a man by the name of Curtis Gibson. According to Gibson and other people that came across Sam, he seemed to be covered in, and I quote, dirt, which we later learn is dried up blood and human remains, and he stunk horribly. In other words, to describe Sam's scent, he sat in the house with the bodies of the victims for at least two to three days before going to the airport and never once showered after committing the murders. That's so disgusting. Oh, my God. But Gibson stated that Sam spoke calmly and never raised his suspicions. Imagine just, like, killing people and just still wearing those same clothes. That's so disgusting. How are you not making yourself I would be throwing up. Oh, so gross. Gibson said that Sam said that he had went to a concert with his girlfriend, Emma, on September 12th in in Michigan. Sam said that the two had a good time at the concert, but that he had seen a text message on Emma's phone where she was talking to another guy. The two got into a fight and he decided that he was going to head back home. Gibson also stated that Sam gushed and spoke passionately about Emma. Let me barf. In the early hours of September 19th, the Virginia State Police spotted Sam McCroskey at the airport. He'd been sleeping in the baggage claim while waiting on his flight back home. He was immediately arrested for murder. Initially, Sam didn't cooperate with police when it came to his motive. He originally said, Jesus told me to do it. At some point after the murder, Sam used a digital camera to record a video of himself. In the video, he seemed to know what he had done and realized that he had to pay for it and contemplated suicide. All four victims were found to have died from blunt force trauma to the head. Police occult expert Don Reimer was brought in because of symbols found in the music the teens listened to, and he described the murder scene as a slaughterhouse. That's so sad. Now, as we can imagine, as we've seen many times before, people were quick to blame the music for the killings. Mm -hmm. However, I think it was much more simple than that. So Emma was messaging and chatting with other guys, and she wasn't interested in Sam. He couldn't take no for an answer. He hated the rejection. He was bitter, and he was angry that the perfect relationship he had made up in his head didn't work out the way he wanted it to. Mm -hmm. He was selfish. Um, Now, people don't like this as a reason for murder. It's just too simple. So they blame it on the dark music. Just like they blame it on video games. Exactly. And movies. That's exactly what I was about to say. You know, murders are often blamed on violent video games or, you know, music. Mm-hmm. Music and video games do not create murderers, you guys. Sure, murderers like them. 
but that doesn't mean that well i mean we all like them well i know i'm just saying like yeah. they also like them but that's not the reason why they're murdering i mean it's like you know for instance i'm I, a podcaster who's into true crime commits a murder oh it's because she was into true crime no it's because she was a psychopath like <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know people always want a reason you know maybe they, it's yeah. just because they're a shit human it's like there is a reason but it's psychological it's not exactly the music it's not the video games exactly if if it were then we'd all be murderers exactly and, yeah Sam's friend, Andres, Andres Shem, another horrorcore rapper, stated before the court case, you would never, ever imagine that kid even being a suspect. If he is found to be guilty, I would 100% be shocked. It seems as if Sam's calm demeanor made him look like he never posed a threat to anyone. A lot of them are like that. Yeah. Andres continued. People get the impression that we're these twisted, sick individuals, and we don't have hearts, and we just want to talk about murder and the devil, but we just want to express that other side of life. God, shut the fuck up, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. yeah. Uh. <laughs> On September 20th, 2010, Richard Samuel McCroskey pled guilty to two counts of first-degree murder and two counts of capital murder. He received four life sentences with an additional 630. 32 years in prison well they handed it to him sam didn't say anything during or after court but he was said to be smirking as he left the courtroom i'm sure he was psycho sam psycho sam the families of the victims declined to speak to the media but they issued a written statement stating that they were relieved the case was over and they believed justice had been served Richard McCroskey is currently incarcerated at Wallens Ridge State Prison in Big Stone Gap, Virginia. And that's all I have there. That is the Farmville murders. If somebody you were close to was murdered, mm-hmm. would you want the murderer to have life in prison or death? Um, If, if someone I was close to, um, honestly, I'd want them to have death. Me too. Yeah. I know, you know, people say, you know, well, prison's more suffering. No, just get them the fuck out of here. There's no reason for them to walk this earth. They're literally breathing in air that could be used for other people. Yeah. And like the money spent on these people. No, just fucking I'm 100 percent like eye for an eye. Right. Like I don't want my tax dollars um, feeding this motherfucker. That's how I view it. No, I believe in the death penalty 100%. I do, too. I mean, it does scare me sometimes because I do feel like innocent Innocent people. Yeah. Yeah, but... But when all the evidence is there and there's no ifs, ands, or buts, just put them out of their misery. Put them out of our misery. Put them out of our misery. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I agree with that 100%. Real quick before we end this, let's talk a little bit because this is a huge topic going on in the world right now. Let's talk about Brian Laundrie. Yeah, what's your theory? Dude, so they found this body, right? Mm -hmm. And now they're saying it's not his body? It's not his skeletal remains? So I read that, I know that somebody posted that article in our group, but um, I read another article that's like, um, that's like such a false, like a misleading title Uh because, you know, DNA takes a long time to come back. So... You know, they can't really say that it's it doesn't match his DNA. But see, I read that they had, like, 
positively identified him because of dental records. See, that's what I read too. Yeah. But then there's this new headline that's like, oh, the DNA doesn't match or it's phrased so that you think that it's not his body. Yeah. I don't know if it is or not. I mean, the dental records say it is. I think that's a pretty reliable source. But um, I did read an article that's like, it, they haven't determined that yet yeah. based off DNA. So I won't put a lot out there on the podcast, but if you guys are a member of our Facebook group, you've probably seen me post a little bit about it. But I have a lot of conspiracies regarding this case. I think it's all like super janky and yeah. it just the things that make you say, hmm, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, I'm not saying the parents did anything wrong or anything but <laughs> just for protection of myself <laughs> but um you know i do think it's very suspicious that they are the ones that found his body after yeah you know that post that's like if law law enforcement and dog the bounty hunter couldn't find him but they find him immediately in like 30 minutes no I, I, okay i'm just gonna put it out there i don't think it's him yeah i don't think it's him it wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't i think he's still alive yeah, I could totally see that being the so. case too. I mean, I, I don't know the dental records say it is, but you know, you can falsify that information and um, uh, yeah. can pay people out to yep. falsify it. People do just about anything for mur- for for murder for, for money. That's right. <laughs> so, um, you guys keep posting that shit though in our group because I'm always very interested. A lot of times you see it before I do. You know, it, you you juicers and uh i learn about it in the group so yeah that's typically how i do too and mm-hmm. sometimes i'll see people i saw this one post where this these people were like you know cut the conspiracies out you know he's dead blah 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 blah. but it's like we haven't really had a um um i gotta pause this really fast mm-hmm. okay sorry um some weird terrible motherfucker decided they were gonna send a snapchat out to people saying they were gonna shoot up the school my sister goes to so um she just called me so i was making sure she was okay but she is she's at home safe and sound but um i hate it anyways what did she get checked out today or what i think my mom checked her out yeah because my mom yeah and this shooting's supposed to happen tomorrow, so you best your or you best your, Jesus, you bet your ass. <laughs> my son will not be going, even well, though he's not. Listen, if you guys have children in Jasper County High School, and for some odd reason you're not on social media and you haven't seen all the shit floating around, somebody has threatened to shoot up the high school, numerous schools, I believe. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm gonna read the um, the Snapchat just so you guys know. Yeah. It says, hello, my name is Andrew Porter. This is obviously a fake name as to protect my identity. There has been many gun scares lately, but this is not a gun scare. This is for real. I have not been bullied. I have not been misunderstood. I am actually quite popular. I have not told anybody what that I am going to do this. And Wednesday, October 27th, I will shoot up Jasper County High School. I know not many people will see this. That's why I'm sending this to very few people. I know the lockdown protocols don't even bother hiding. I will enter in the morning and go about our normal day. 11.45 around first lunch, I will pull a Glock out of my backpack and release a hellfire into the lunchroom. And I, and eight have, and I have plenty of ammo too. Why am I doing this to innocent children? Well, it's very complicated, but I will explain in my interrogation after the attack. That's actually so terrifying. It's super scary. And this thing has, um, this you know fake name andrew porter has um sent this 
to a lot of people on Snapchat, but about a lot of different schools. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it could just be him trying to scare people. Who knows? But, I mean, I would never take something like that lightly. Hell no. And Titus, you know, me and my mom were talking like, you know, what if um, he's trying to scare all these high schools Mm -hmm. and create, create like a diversion so that all the police are, you know, in these secluded areas and then he shoots up an elementary school or the middle school or. Yeah, let's just uh, keep your kids at home tomorrow, guys. Yeah, especially if you're in Jasper County, keep your kid at home. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Hate for us to have to cover this oh, God. <laughs> like a year or so. But anyways, um, is that all? I believe that's it. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening mm-hmm. and you can um, follow our socials if you want to. Our Instagram is at Don't Drink the Jones Juice. Our Facebook is For God's Sake Don't Drink the Jones Juice. You can order our merch at storefrontier.com/slash Don't Drink the Jones Juice. You can follow our TikTok at Don't Drink the Jones Juice. And is that it? That's it. Oh, you can send in your own true crime and paranormal Do stories. Do it. To our email at don't drink the Jones juice at gmail.com. I think we need two more stories to do a listener juice. Yeah, come on, guys. Send them in. Send them in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and for God's sake, don't drink the Jones juice.